Welcome once again to The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I am Christine. And on this episode, we are still covering season two of Masters of Horror. Uh, We are now into episode four, Sounds Like... Uh, This episode is directed by Brad Anderson, uh, who also wrote the teleplay. It is based on a short story by Mike O'Driscoll, who has no other film writing credits. I don't know much about him other than that. Uh, This would have aired, I guess, late, late 2006. Um, Brad Anderson is a director that has had an interesting career. I would like to call it a very frustrating career for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> why, why is it a frustrating career for you? So every Brad Anderson film that I have seen, um, actually, I won't say every. So Session 9 and The Machinist, um, and perhaps this episode, uh, I'm taking Vanishing on 7th Street out of it because I fucking hated that movie so much. I ugh, remember when everything was Roanoke. I love Roanoke. I hate when people I are like, love this story a rapture. doesn't... Give me but, Rapture. But uh, Rapture's great, but when you're like, this story doesn't make any sense because Roanoke. There's like, there's a lot of that for a while. Everyone's gone now because Roanoke happened. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's the least the of the problems, though, with Vanishing on 7th Street. That's, it's that it is... It, it Vanishing on 7th Street has like this great opening and this great jump scare, and it has this ridiculously good cast... And it, it, really does. it is just, it, it just squanders everything. You're into it. And then like a half hour in, you're like, why does this movie hate itself? Why is it decided that no character is going to make a reasonable decision? Why is it decided to change, to set up rules and then constantly break them and randomly expect <laughs> you to remember the rules when the characters don't and the universe of the movie doesn't, but it's really important. And let's end ambiguously. I fucking the, hated that movie. It's the, the, honestly, it's the, end that did it i i was kind of okay until the end mm. and then i was like oh i didn't sign up for this i just remember consent <laughs> to this why why is this happening if, if i could if i was a let's say i was a flower watching that movie i would have been a flower that like bloomed in the first five minutes and then so slowly, you would just see my petals start to fall. Oh, no. And don't fall. Die, and you would flower. see my, my little flower head fall down. And by the end of that movie, I would just be like, the whole pot would have fallen on top of me. And you just see dirt everywhere. <laughs> no, That's how I felt watching that movie. Brad Anderson, why did you do that to he the Emily flower? Me. Now, the other, and the other film, <laughs> so, so both Session 9 and The Machinist, which are very beloved movies. I mean, the Session 9 more so. I watch both those movies and I'm like, man, there's some great stuff here. This guy knows how to do certain things really well. He creates mood beautifully. Session 9 is a fucking creepy movie. There is some great stuff going on. There are sequences that, you know, the hair stands up on your arms. And yet I have tried to watch that movie now, I think three times. And every time I walk away saying, but uh, I don't know, ultimately, no. I don't like it. Oh, I love Session 9. I want I've seen to love it. it. I've seen it a bunch of times, too, because, like, I don't know. I, I just, I like to show it to people. And, yeah, a lot of people don't like it. Um, but I, I get it. And I, I know a lot of people that also, like, will say, like, oh, it's the best horror movie of, you know, of that year. Fine. Like, it, it does some of the best horror of that year. But just every time I'm unsatisfied. And, there, and um, yeah, and, and so this episode... <laughs> 
which um I had seen before. Did I tell you the way I? Oh my god! I saw it too. When did I watch it? Which... How have I seen this? Fascinating. Do you know when you watched it? Oh, because I girl. can't. I I must. It's I had to have watched it in the last seven years because we wa- we started watching it last night. I lied to you. I watched it last night, not this morning. Um, we started <laughs> watching it last night, and Zach was like, "We've seen this almost immediately." We were both like, "We've seen this." So I don't know when that. I don't know. I don't remember watching it, but I remember every fucking beat of this. Well, I mean, I guess I think possibly it was considered, um, you know, one of the high points of this season. I so my experience, let me tell you a little story. We're going to go back in time to 2006. Actually, we're going to go back to early 2007. Okay. Um, So I at this point in, in life. Um, was living in Korea as an ESL teacher and it was like near the end of my stay there and one of the things I did right before I left was I went to the big technology mart and I bought myself an iPod. Mm-hmm. So iPods were fairly new at the time. Yes. And I had, you know, started using my iPod and stuff and I had been told, I had a friend who was like a really big horror guy who had said, you should watch this episode. I was like, I kind of gave up the Masters of Horror. He's like, no, no, but you should watch Sounds Like. I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And so I sit down on my computer, which was an old, it was like an old Dell laptop. It had been fairly old at that point. It wasn't doing great, but it was. I was still able to illegally download stuff and watch it, which I had done with this episode. And I, you know, was doing a lot of things. I was like, it was near my time leaving. So I was like packing up a lot of stuff to get going. Um, And I'm watching this episode and I knew it was like considered kind of like a weird episode. And it starts and the audio is out of whack with what's on screen. Like things are happening and they're speeded up. Like, and it wasn't just the audio. It was also like the, the, um, the film he, you know, he's walking down the street and all of a sudden he's walking really quickly and there's audio that's coming at different times. And I'm, and my first, I'm like, did I download this wrong? And I look at like the forum and nobody's saying anything. So I'm like, no, it's probably fine. I'm like, I, I'm like, I guess this is part of the episode is that it's, it's supposed to be all weird sensory. Like I watched the entire episode like this. It is mm-hmm. very hard to get a focus on the episode because dialogue is happening three minutes after the scene has happened. And I, again, I'm really thinking this is a choice. Like this guy made a very specific style choice in, in putting this together. Then I get to the credits and dialogue is still going on and the credits are rolling. And I start to think, I don't know, maybe this wasn't supposed to happen this way. And then I, I realize... I get like a little alert on my computer that my iPod has finished syncing. And I think, oh, I unplug my iPod and I'm like, let me just try something. And I, you know, scroll back to the beginning of the episode and I hit play and it runs fine. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> this is my first time watching the episode um, the way it was meant to be watched. Not manipulated <laughs> by my iPod syncing. I bet and- it was a little bit better. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I felt really stupid. <laughs> kind of as stupid as I felt realizing the view, forgetting that the V word meant vampire. Um, but yeah, so this episode, I have a lot of thoughts on it, and and it, I mean, I'm saying I have you know issues with it. I do have some issues with it, but this is a a very well made episode. And again, compared to season one, if you were to take like cigarette burns, which is the one everybody says is the great one, like you put this next to it, this is a much better episode, I think. Um. This is amazing. This episode is fantastic. Uh, it is a hundred percent 
an X-Files episode. It's yes. if you if you made the X-Files without Mulder and Scully, you would get this. And it's really no wonder that uh, Brad directed so many episodes of Fringe because it, it feels like an episode of Fringe, too. Um, it feels like an episode of really great, weird television, which is it's it's so well made. Yeah, I'm I'm. The story is maybe not 100% there for me. Like, per, just personally, that's a yes. personal feeling. I don't think the story's bad. It's not, I'm not showing up 100% for it. But, like, the way the episode is crafted and paced, I, I think is... Um, it's a different level in many yeah. ways than almost anything so far. Like, yeah. in terms of the storytelling, it really does feel like, oh, this is what these episodes could have been. They sh- they all should have been they all should have been an episode of the X Files without yes. Mulder and Scully. Yeah. That's what they should have. So with this one, um, I a little bit with Viewerd too. I feel like oh people got the assignment because I don't feel yeah. like necessarily people got the assignment in in season one because as we've pointed out, it's like older dudes who are known for doing a certain thing or. Are usually only do this certain thing or haven't done anything in a while. Yep. So it's almost like they they were like, let me make this thing, and they didn't have a reference point for it. They didn't realize they were supposed to be doing an episode of Tales from the Crypt or yes. an episode of you know X Files, Outer Limits, Twilight Zone. They didn't understand that that's what the that's what these effectively could have and should have been. Yes. They were they were like mean little plays one hour please. yeah it was okay I, I have a week to film something all right w- bring in the casting session let me find the girl with the best tits yeah it's it so i think that is what is very evident in this it was approached and even like viewed and even family to a degree was approached like let me make an episode of 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 the twilight zone right or, or Tales from the Crypt, for family specifically, Tales from the Crypt. That f- had big Tales from the Crypt energy. But, yes. like, I, and I think that's what makes this so successful, is it is it is is doing the right thing. Well, and you also have, with these two episodes, directors who have more to prove. And, I mean, we saw that yeah. a little bit last season with William Malone, right? Who was yeah. the least, the, the lowest resume of a master of horror, makes the best episode. In this season, you have Ernest Dickerson, who just you know, had been around and is probably very respected in the business, but rarely gets full out directing. Um, and Brad Anderson, who was really young and really new, um, he had done yeah. uh, Next Step Wonderland. He had done an episode of Homicide, uh, Happy Accidents, Session 9, an episode of The Shield, The Machinist, another episode of TV, and then this. So he's still young. Like, he still is coming up and isn't ready probably to just throw something away because it's a low budget one hour program yes that's a good point like this is this is another place to prove yourself to test your metal kind of yeah. thing and i mean i hope that this is one of the reasons why he continued to get television that's possible yeah because it's it's really polished for and for an hour and i mean my my issues probably stem more from the story than the storytelling yeah. Um, there's things that happen in here that I also makes me step back and say, wow, Brad Anderson, you really like stories about, spoiler alert, men who kill their wives for, for no good reason. Like, there's things like that that kind of bother me. 
but this is a really well-made hour of TV. Yes. Um, I had, I think I had less of an issue with the story. Interesting. Why don't you tell everybody about the story? Let's go into it. Well, this story is about Andy Belfleur from True Blood. And <laughs> or he... Frank Sabatka from The Wire. Yeah, what a wonderful character actor. Chris Bauer is the guy's name. Yeah. He's very good. Oh, he's so good. He's great in this. He's great in everything. And you'll know him as soon as you see his face. You'll know him from something, probably something, TV related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in that episode of The Office, he wants to just sell one big thing, like a plane, and get out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's really- and he's on that Office episode. <laughs> it's really stupid, but I reference it all the time. <laughs> um, so he is a, is a man, and he is a married man. And, and he, he hates his works- wife. Let's get that out of the way. He hates his wife. He, oh, he hates his wife in this. I well, thought. Well, I think that we need to. We need to. I, I'm. I'm not going to apologize for the fact that he doesn't like his wife, but I think there's clear reasons in place why he is awful and miserable. Fair. And I also don't know how much of this actually happens. Oh. That's an interesting. I, I took it very on on, on its face, but. You. And I think you can for sure, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's a hundred percent there for you to do that. Um, I was I was very high when I watched this, so <laughs> so maybe that's why I was like, huh, maybe none of this is actually happening. But he he works at a call center, and he is tasked with uh, monitoring calls and listening in on people's calls. So his whole like thing is about like picking up on cues and and tenor of voices and like you know he's very perceptive and like this thing that that seems like it could work for him ends up working against him Mm -hmm. as things ratchet up and he he hears too much it's and it gets to a point where it's not only that he hears too much it's like he intuits too much and he he like experiences too much uh, and he uh, starts to lose it a little bit. And it makes you wonder, did he ever really have it to lose? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He also has a reason to lose it, as you said. Yeah. Which is that yeah. he, had a, he had a child, uh, about a six-year-old boy, who died, very sadly, of a crazy heart condition. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife uh, has been trying to have another kid with him. Mm-hmm. He does not seem thrilled about that, but he's not, not I mean, he's not, not fucking her when he has to. Mm-hmm. Um but it's clearly an issue. He is he is in mourning, and you're right. He is has not recovered from this. We, we can kind of, based on, I mean, to me, and as you're saying this, as we're walking through it, I'm, I'm seeing more that I again I took everything very on its nose. <laughs> but you're right. It is very possible that I think everything we see happens, but he may not have. It's almost treated like a superpower hearing that. Yeah. You know, there there are characters sitting ten feet away from him in a, in a in a noisy lunchroom, and he can hear every word. And he, you know, has like a superpower of hearing. It is very possible that that is is his mind that that is not really happening. Um, um, I think there's a lot of of things to back that up too. If you wanted to read it that way, true. Because like when his his so his son, they find out his son is sick, and. Um, the first time in the story we see him 
have this extra sensory hearing, like this extra yeah. hearing ability, is when his kid starts to get, or they they right before they realize he's sick, and they bring them the the child to the hospital or the doctor, and he's like, yeah, if we had caught this two years ago so that tells me that two years ago this wasn't happening or he would have caught it then right so that makes me think he never really existed and he created this as a reason to or a way to blame himself for right not because being able he to you know as far as we see he's the one that picks up on it because his you know his ear happens to be near his son's chest and he hears his heart beating in a way that doesn't sound right yeah. And you are right. It is very possible that that's the moment when hearing becomes different for him, mm-hmm. right? I mean, any kind of grief, um, something you do with somebody you love and then they're gone, well, now every time you eat the food you guys ate together or, or do something like that, you're going to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that actually makes a lot of sense. I did not think that at all, but I really like that interpretation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because then him... If, if he's not, if this isn't real, if this is all him kind of losing his grasp, then like in the lunchroom, when he thinks he's overhearing people talking about him, it could just be his paranoia. Sure. And it seems like when, it seems like it's very picky choosy with what he hears very loud and what affects him. Yes. And it, it seems to happen when he is extremely agitated or when he's very upset. Yeah. So like, it, like in the, so he, you you said he killed his kills his wife. I do believe that he the wife does die. I don't think that's like imagined or whatever. Um, but like he hears the maggots eating her. But like he doesn't hear a bird chirping real loud, or he sure. doesn't hear the he doesn't hear the refrigerator running real loud. It's like his guilt is 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 amplified. A little bit of a the beating of the hideous heart type. Exactly. Yeah. It is a lot like that, right? Yeah, um, and there is something to the fact that his wife also seems to have a bit of a sixth sense right the oh, wife yeah there, that yeah. to me was really striking um that the wife has wanted to have a baby and you know he comes home one day and she says guess what the neighbors are having a baby I said oh did they tell you no i just know i looked at her face when she opened up some mail i could tell she that and we find out a scene later he sees the husband across the street and is like oh congratulations oh how'd you know oh i don't know i guess our wives talked no uh, she didn't mention anything oh and and so it's this moment of like oh and then later the wife after they have like sex like a week later she's like i'm pregnant he's like no you're not you have no way of knowing that she's like no i do and it's an interesting other side to it of him being so dismissive of her i think that's what bothered me about this was that i did feel this was very um hateful towards the wife um but yet he, with, you know, within that hour is saying, I, you know, is arguing with coworkers of, no, I can hear this. Don't you ever tell me not to trust my hearing because I know my mm-hmm. hearing. Yeah. I mean, it's, but so it's, fr- yes, obviously he's not awesome with her and to her. And I get, I mean, we're supposed to align ourselves with this character and we're given all the tools to do so. So I I don't have a problem saying, well, 
she, you know, clearly he doesn't, he's not ready to have another child. He feels like having another child is erasing his previous child. Like, I get all of that, but also he never said that. Yes. So, like, uh, of course I can then be like, well, that's really unfair to this woman. She doesn't know any of this. He's right. not telling her any of this. So she's, like, sneaking around looking at wallpaper, and it's fucking horrifying that she has to do that. But... The, the, the show has firmly rooted me in his reality, which is this intense betrayal that she's perpetrating. Mm -hmm. And, and like, and I get, I get that he's a hundred percent not okay. Obviously, like, this is where we, we get into fiction for me. And I'm like, well, he's a terrible person and, yeah. and he's not okay. And he makes bad choices and he should have protected his wife. He should have had an allegiance to his wife. But when we show up to the story, that's already broken. Right. That's fair. Yeah. So, but like it obviously it sucks. Like, it's I mean abusive behavior. Yeah. He's so he's so dismissive of her, and he's so mean to her, and she looks so sad all the time. Yes. And I think I guess that's where I guess my issue was was purely, am I supposed to be on this guy's side because I don't like him and I love this actor and I think yeah. he is great in it. I think he is absolutely doing the right job. But that was a little bit of my issue was feeling. Because uh, I think Session 9 does something very similar with one of its characters, who is this yeah. put-upon yep. guy who has a wife and baby at home and has to get money for them, but can't do it. And then, spoiler alert, Session 9, the end of the movie, you find out, yeah, he's also killed her, and she's been sitting at home for a week dead. And so I think that's where I was kind of like, I don't know, Brad Anderson, you got this thing going where you like to kill wives and kind of make them kind of shrews, and that I don't love. <laughs> um... Yeah, but, but yeah, I think I think that I think that there is I don't know why I'm not trying to make excuses for it because you're not wrong. But I think specifically with this, we we never she's not a shrew. She's not bad. So like we know what he did is wrong. Like it's never like she's never fridged to further his journey. She she's what you know this is what ruins him effectively. Right. Right. What he does to her is, is his undoing. And I, and, and it sucks, but I mean, like it, it's, it's a shitty story. Like it's a, a sad, upsetting, bad story. <laughs> and, um, I think this, like, I don't know. I get what you're saying. It, it's similar. And, and maybe it's a lazy plot device. Like, yeah, but at the same time, if you are taxed with doing a one hour show, yeah, do what you're good at and something that you can do effectively in an hour. So, yeah, I I mean, it's I don't think it's my favorite, like I said, because the story, while I enjoy it and I like it and I think it's well done, isn't necessarily something that I like intensely connect with. Yeah. So I don't think it's like my favorite one, but like, obviously, I think it's just, it's really, really good and it's really effective. And this is good for me. Good, efficient storytelling. Yes. yes. Like, I feel like this world is fleshed out i know about him it I know looks about good past. i think um just from a yeah. production point of view the suburbs are very clearly established as this you know kind of kind of like family like there is this very clear sense of here is our normal neighborhood um you get this kind of fantasy of the uh you know the pond with the sailboats and you get this colder clinical uh office that the space is used really well. And 
I forget when we're watching these, which are so quickly made and so cheaply made, like you were even one of your complaints about the V word was the funeral home just felt like it was poorly designed. Like it almost feels more like we found here's a house we can film in and call it a funeral home rather than let's build a funeral home or let's, you know, scout out the right location for our shoot. Mm-hmm. We only have five days. Find something quick. This feels really you don't get any of those limitations on there when he is in his cubicle overlooking all of these cubicles that's good looking and that feels i never question it it puts me right into the world mm-hmm. and we don't usually get that in these yeah that's true it's true yeah and then how uncomfortable the scene where um where he befriends uh one of the employees and takes him out to lunch yeah it's real. I I like. Of course, one of my major complaints with movies and TV and storytelling is like we're all supposed to feel bad for the alienated white guy. Yep. Boo fucking who! But like, I mean, if it's done well, if why it, the you, fuck yeah. not? Like, I felt so uncomfortable for him and so yeah. bad for him, and I knew what he was doing. He like, oh, this person listens. This person's empathetic. This person will understand that I'm hurting. And then doesn't, and it's like this again. This another betrayal. Yes, and it, it's just like oh, it's so uncomfortable. It is very but it's not mean. I didn't find this episode to be mean. No, no, I wouldn't call it mean. I mean obviously, he he kills his wife. Yes, and then which isn't isn't yeah. nice. No, <laughs> no, because she it didn't fine. But it didn't feel like it wasn't like I didn't have to watch him. It wasn't reveling in any times. of it. Yeah. yeah. No, no. And the reveal was horrific and upsetting yes. and yeah. Yeah, no, I think this might be, I mean, of up to so far what we've watched, I think without question this is the best made episode of, yeah. of all of them. It it feels like it is film quality um condensed but done for the format in the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh and that is impressive and something we're so used to not used to getting anymore with these yeah yeah it, it I, I liked it a lot and i think now that i'm saying this i think the reason i watch it is because i don't it's not listed this way but it perpetrates like it's set in seattle so yes yes oh no there is definitely a moment where they um like show a ribbon that says city of seattle yeah, in the you know how you can usually find filming locations yes. on IMDb. They're not there, so I don't know if it was or if it. Was. I think it, it, I know. I saw something about uh, Canada in the credits, but I don't know if it was all in Canada or not. Yeah, there was some downtown footage that looked pretty decent, but I, I can't be sure. So that might be why we watched it because I know we watched a couple things that oh, were set in the Pacific sense. Northwest. Yeah. So we might have been like, "Oh, this is set in the Pacific Northwest." <laughs> what? That's it. a great reason to move there. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's so noisy. Uh, jokes on you. I was already here. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think what's what's cool too about it is, um, how many ho- horror movies about sound can you name? Right. It is different. It is something it is, it is that we never take into account when telling stories but it is a huge part of of life and how we tell stories and Mm -hmm. it's very cool to take to say i'm gonna make a horror movie about noise like that that is pretty neat yeah it's cool i i I think it does that's why it feels more like sci-fi and like like a weird case that 
Mulder and Scully would have to Very look much. into. There's this guy, like, like they show up and this guy killed everybody. And, oh, it's because he had weird hearing or something. Aliens. Yeah. I watched a lot of X-Files. I don't know why. I just got really <laughs> lazy. <laughs> it's funny. Are you, um, how do you think of yourself with sound? Do you like noise or do you like quiet? I like quiet. Oh, see, I need noise. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So does, so does Zach. It's a constant battle. I get, um, when I, if I walk... It's not really a battle. He just gave me a dirty look. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him I understand. It, I mean, it, it's true in our marriage as well. Brandon is you fine like with... You like on in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will get very angry if I start cooking and, like, he has turned the TV off and walked away. I'm like, what the fuck? Now I, now I have to hear the, the sizzle and I have to hear the, like, scraping. And it, it just, it drives me crazy. Like, I just want continuous noise that isn't quite, like and then sound like it then so i'm glad that i do that i am glad that i'm gonna go with your interpretation that he did not have super hearing because i think that would be a horrible way to live your life oh i think it would be too i mean i think it works both ways and that's cool like things shouldn't fall right. apart the second you try to apply it yes, very much yeah. like I, I i think it was very effective and i'm whoever wrote that short story i think gave him a really solid base yes like to work with so yeah, I would agree. And and again, it's a really fresh idea for for a one hour horror episode. So I yeah, do salute definitely. that. All right, so I guess you do recommend this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's like it's even if you're not a hundred percent on board with the the storytelling, like it's very attractive and yes. really. And if you like that kind of television, like he goes on to direct multiple episodes of Fringe, like it has that feeling. Uh, so yeah, it's it's for that reason alone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I found I found like a weird trick, by the way, to Tubi today. Um, mm-hmm. I watched this on Tubi, and I have been watching it on Tubi via my Roku, and there are your usual commercials. But when I watched it on my laptop on Tubi, um, there was only one set of commercials. Interesting. So, I, don't know. I don't know, but yeah, they are out there for everybody. And yeah, I would agree. I think this is definitely an episode to watch. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, when next we meet, I think we move on to John Carpenter. So we'll see how that turns out. I, you know, it was a good run. <laughs> uh, we have been four episodes in with no boobs, Christine. They, and I will say, as far as Boob Watch uh, 2020 goes, um, there is a corpse in V-Word with uh, boobs out with a little plastic cover over her and I was like what are they gonna fucking do to her what are they gonna and they just walk by her and I was like thank you thank you viewer but yeah we're we're doing well I think I really am curious if somebody was like these are terrible please make them be real things and they were like "Mm, yes maybe we should take this seriously we'll put a little more effort into them Yeah, I'm going to try to find more information at some point because I, I want to know. The, I mean, the, the quality level is up so high from last season. It's so wild. Like, it really is. And and I feel like, oh, you prude. You don't want boobs in your... But then I remember back to, like... like how the boobs were. Jennifer it's not the boobs. And... It's the way the boobs were yeah. forced into our faces. Yeah, Jennifer and Dance of the Dead, it was just so much. It was so ugly. Yes, so so I'll take a million sounds likes in in, in lieu of uh, some Dance of the Deads. <laughs> there we go. All right, everybody, stay safe. Goodbye. Dear Ears, hang on to the
Can you tie him in a knot? Can you tie him in a bow? Can you throw- 